All right. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. Hello. We're doing this. Oh my gosh, it's actually happening. <laughs> it's happening. I'm so excited. So, welcome to Herlocked Files. It's our our duo podcast uncovering the stories of true crime and popular culture, everything from A to Z. <laughs> <laughs> little pun in there for you <laughs> um if if you knew or you have no idea what's happening i am zoe or on the internet i'm known as little red i'm a social media manager at a game studio and i'm also a partnered variety streamer on twitch i make puns tiktok vid- comedy videos and i have a background in game design and for those of you who don't know, my name is Abby. Uh, I am a web project manager by day and a hype queen by night. Uh, I am known also on the internet as Yebba Deba, especially over on Twitch as a part-time charity streamer. Uh, I am based in Chicago, if you can't tell by my lovely accent. Uh, and I'm a huge wrestling fan. Uh, I also like to play indie games, especially farming and platformers, and horror games for the spoops. And speaking um, of spoops... Yes, yes, yes. So it's, many spoops. It's oh Halloween. It, it's it, a very special day. I mean, well, it's not Halloween right now, but it's going to be Halloween when this is out. So yes. happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Congratulations. You get some really creepy tales and we get to tell you all about them in depth and also tell you our favorite things about them and, and really nerd out like a whole bunch of true crime fans. Oh, hell yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And for our little pitch, if you're not sold yet by our adorable voices... Um, we are two gamer girls who love true crime and everything created from the stories of human deviancy. This includes all adapted media, video games, books, movies, television shows, and more. Our society consumes massive amounts of stories based on terrifying true tales of murder, violence, and survival. This podcast explores some of those anecdotes of human history. We hope to create file after file of engaging commentary on these stories and explore pop culture at the same time. Thank you so much again for tuning in. Yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's kind of like the whole spiel of this. Like, basically, we wanted to. We're both. We're both hella true crime fans. Huge. Huge. Massive. We're both like, gamers. Yep. All and that included. All that included. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and also when it comes to both true crime and gaming, a lot of that is is very sunken into popular culture. So. So we kind of just want to want to talk about all of it, and uh, the best way to do that is to sit down with your buddy and have a conversation about it. And um, every every episode will be something different, um, something in, re- but also something the same because it's all in relation to all of those fun topics. But um, you know, we're gonna we're gonna break it down. We're gonna tell you know stories. We're gonna talk about games, talk about true crime, and not all of the content is going to be, you know, the happiest, <laughs> of course. Um, so forewarning, uh, it's not going to be the, the greatest uh, facts in the world, but um, hopefully we can kind of not make light of it, but, but enjoy a conversation about it, talk about it, uh, make it human, and, and try to lighten the mood every now and then if it, if it gets too dark. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's kind of uh, what drew us to true crime in the first place is just how fascinating it is. Um, Because 
this is a topic that is hard to talk about. It is hard to hear about. I know it's not everybody's cup of tea, uh, but if you're if it is your cup of tea, you're you're fascinated by it um, for all the right reasons. Um, there there is always an interest in in uh, in human nature. There's always an interest in survival. Um, you know, I, I like learning these stories um, from from a perspective of okay, what would I do in that type of situation? Um, that that's you know sort of gets sparked every now and then. Um, but also, uh, I think it's fascinating. Um, and I think a lot of media is also fascinated in the same place where they try to understand it. Um, and, you know, we're, we're definitely uh, not clinical medical professionals in any way, shape or form. But, no. <laughs> uh, but what we are, are, are very um, interested in how these portrayals and how these types of things are captured um, by by so many people, you know, millions of people go see horror movies in the theaters. Millions of people play tons of scary games. Millions of people um, tune into shows like Mindhunter, where we are fascinated by this because it is a part of humanity that not all of us can understand, but it is something that we try to, and we have a great time doing our best um, exploring any of those stories. So I, I hope that that's also conveyed that this is this is definitely a podcast coming from an area of, of interest and fandom, um, but also uh, empathy and understanding. So absolutely, yeah, and and also I think it's it's trying to find ways to connect it because a yes. lot a lot of time in in society we we find connections that might not be true. We find connections that are absolutely true. We find crazy connections. We find coincidences. Uh, it helps us find things that are relatable and also helps us understand things that we could never relate to. Right. Um, so we want to kind of uncover those connections and, and really like break them down to a level of understanding and also to a level of just pure fasci fascination with, of course, respect. <laughs> yes. We definitely want to respect people and not offend anyone um but it's definitely like an interest that we will share that that's why we're, we're doing this we're, we're doing the thing so for the halloween episode we we got got some fun topics i'm actually awesome. really excited about it um we kind Me of too. We, we did a good job divvying up this list oh oh yeah we, yeah 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 <laughs> i'm so excited <laughs> i'm like you can hear it i'm just like i'm because i i'm more so interested like like, I'm not excited to hear about, like, actual crime that happened to real people, but I'm excited to, like, hear what you found, because I think, you know, we, we were having discussions earlier where we both kind of went down internet rabbit holes. Yep. And, like, those always reveal very interesting, crazy stories. So that's where my excitement extends from. Um, but but we, we picked some really fun topics for... In light of Halloween and all that is spooky, um, I think I think we got some some good stories. So, Very good stories. Uh, do, do you wanna do you wanna start off? Basically, the way that this is gonna work is that we're gonna we're gonna each share some some research that we did, some some stories that we have, um, some cases that we've come upon in relation to. Um, for the for the most part, it, it'll be in relation to gaming, but eventually we'll branch out into more pop culture, as in like films, TV, books, mm -hmm. all that. Um, really, anything consumable. Yeah, uh, and that that is in the realm of entertainment for sure. Yeah, so so we're gonna we're gonna talk about some games, um, but 
And then we're going to kind of have like a, a little open discussion afterwards to answer any questions, share any thoughts. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I, I have oh, yeah. we're both going to have really good thoughts about these. Oh, so. I know. <laughs> I also feel like we're just going to – it's just going to be so – we're going to dig in. We're going to dig in, and it's going to be great. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, do you – do I don't think we actually landed on who was going to go first. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we did either. Um, I'm totally fine with going first. Yeah. Um, I think – I think uh, also uh, my – well, I guess both of ours are, are kind of uh, end on, on, like, womp womp notes. But at the same time, um, yeah. Like, uh, yours is yours is a little happier than mine. Um, in terms is of, it? In terms of, <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> I'm going to go with, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going with my gut on and this one. Just play some bets. Yes. Okay. <laughs> All right, yeah. No, then, then take it away. All right. Uh, so, for the choice for the Halloween episode, our... Our uh, our launching uh, story is going to be about the Blair Witch Project. <laughs> I know, right? Um, so, uh, what I found fascinating about uh, the Blair Witch Project is quite literally everything, um, and and just how it it defined an era, it defined a horror genre. Um, it capitalized on the culture of the internet and its true essence. It capitalized on the culture of, of urban legends. Um, it created this, um, I mean, it didn't really create, but it, it, was, it, was, it was stemmed from this, this beautiful, uh, well-known uh, trolley thing known as fake lore. Um, that is that is all over the internet, um, and especially uh, in 1999, when all of the viral marketing campaigns uh, were out for this. And for those of you who have no idea what they did for this, oh, I will tell you because it's insane. Um, the the uh, entire effort that they put behind this was so minimal in dollar in dollar amounts, and the return that they got was absolutely spectacular. Like. Hollywood looked at this and said, uh, this needs to be the blueprint moving forward for anything that's ever going to be a found footage or, uh, or a POV horror experience ever. Um, so um, I do have quite a few sources um, through here. I'll try to call them out, but a lot of them included uh, Vice. Obviously, uh, we used Wikipedia in order to find a couple of these different articles. Uh, I loved that film theory video that you sent me. That was freaking hilarious. Um, it was so good. Um, and then even uh, Mental Floss, uh, Telegraph um, from uh, the UK, and a couple others that I'll, I'll do my best to call out. Um, so for those of you who don't know about the Blair Witch Project, you've obviously lived under a rock. Um, the Blair Witch Project is, <laughs> you have, uh, it was released in 1999, it, and it follows uh, three characters, Josh, Mike, and Heather. Uh, Heather is a, a film student uh, who recruits the help of Josh, who also then recruits the help of Mike, to come with her to this town uh, called Birkinsville, Maryland, that used to be known as Blair. Spoiler alert, it was never known as Blair. Blair never existed. And you're thinking... Why is she premising this already? It's because this entire movie is fake. It is entirely fake. It is not quite scripted, and I'll get into that. It's not quite scripted, but it is definitely um, an experience that was marketed as something that was real. This was um, fake the whole time. <laughs> it was fake the whole time, but it was but it was very convincing. Um, so so and and um, I actually have a I actually even have a quote from. 
um, one of the actors uh, from that Vice article that really went into like everything that they did. It was pretty cool. Um, so what you do, are, are so so what happens is you're following uh, these three uh, characters around, um, and they travel over to Maryland and they learn about Ellie Kedward. Uh, Ellie Kedward uh, was a witch that was banished uh, way back when, I think it was in the 1700s, uh, into the woods. Uh, she was ostracized. She was uh, she was called a witch, uh, and she was never seen from again. Uh, then they jump to a couple of locals telling them about Rustin Parr. Uh, Rustin Parr is a character. Um, he was uh, labeled a hermit uh, who lived in the woods and uh, purportedly kidnapped seven children in the 1940s um, and also killed them. And uh, uh, supposedly it was on the orders of this witch. Uh, supposedly that that is the reason uh, why he did it. That's what he claimed. Uh, it's, uh, they really go into it, um, and they also go into a couple of the witch sightings from a bunch of locals, um, and then, uh, they also tell them, uh, about a, another girl that went missing in 1888, um, and then also talks about, uh, and they actually visit the site called Coffin Rock, where five men were found ritualistic, ritualistically murdered, uh, in the 19th century, and then their bodies disappeared. So the entire time you're following these three um, students around, I'm sorry, one student, two friends, around, and they're interviewing all these locals, and they're really building up all of this lore, um, and they're uh, eventually going further into the woods to start kind of um, hopefully capturing um, kind of the, the essence and the spookiness and, and to investigate things a bit more, and that's where everything gets a little hanky. Um, so uh, I don't want to spoil the, the hanky parts for you. I actually want people to experience um, the, the, the movie. Um, so if you haven't seen it, um, I recommend just seeing it for its, its historical importance, even if you, you know how kitschy and, and uh, not great it is. Um, but I also want you to imagine how I first experienced this movie. I am old enough. Uh, to have seen this movie. I had to go with parents' permission, obviously. Um, uh, but I actually saw this movie in the theaters. And I remember making eye contact with people in the theaters the entire time all of this scary stuff is happening. And people gripping my arm, people shrieking, people freaking out, people saying, oh my god, what? In the middle of the theater. And actually reacting to it and actually, you know, you know just, just questioning everything that's happening. Crazy. Um, it was it was insane, and it and I saw it a second time because I'm a I'm a freaking masochist. Um, but I saw it a second time, and I decided to uh, rent it and then watch it by myself when I lived in a house right next to woods, um, because I'm dumb, but also <laughs> because I love scary movies and I thought it was great. So this, and I can tell you as somebody who has watched a ton of scary movies, um, I definitely saw a couple of movies when I was a little too young, aka Pet Cemetery, still afraid to go to the edge of my bed, um, and I can, I can just tell you as somebody who grew up through that era, and somebody who experienced the marketing, and somebody who, who was really drawn into all of that, um, the experience of the Blair Witch Project was awesome when it first came out. Movie, not that great. The experience was freaking amazing. Um, and it was it was fun to go with friends. You got hyped up to go with friends. It was it was an absolute hoot. Um, and I think the things that, that really uh, made it important is that it was truly good suspense. 
they they marketed this um, with an actual website uh, as a as a release, and the directors were hyping it up, being like, "We created this movie because we found this footage," and they kept they kept claiming that it was found footage that that those three people were not actors. They wanted to tell their story because they disappeared and they were never seen again. So, and that's not a spoiler. That's actually how they marketed it. Um, <laughs> spoiler alert. Not really. Anywho. So you have these, um, so, so you, you have uh, this website that has uh, Heather's diary. You have photos um, of all the characters. They start introducing the story. I remember watching sci-fi like and tuning in because they kept reporting being like you need to watch this documentary we're going to show you the stuff even before you go see the movie so they actually used footage that they did not use in the movie and made a mockumentary claiming it was a documentary and put it on television for marketing i mean it was genius it was it was it was absolutely it was the smartest thing i had ever seen uh, but I had also never seen anything like this. You know, th this is back when, uh, you know, Shark Week is on there and it's actually about sharks. So this is this is something that was truly important um, in that they made you feel like it was important. They made you feel like you were discovering something. They made it feel like it was cool. Um, and, and really, I mean, they only spent about $60,000 or, uh, yeah, $60,000 on it. And it grossed nearly $250 million at the box office. $60,000, $250 million at the box office. Lionsgate was like, we are buying this up and we are supporting this and we are immediately making this a franchise. Um, because it, it was, it was incredible. It was just, it was so smart. Um, what they did and and really what made it stand out was they did use novice actors so it didn't feel like it was um, like like it was actually staged uh, they did a really cool job of directing it um, in that they didn't give them what was going to happen they gave them notes and they gave all the actors um, and I keep saying they and them I should be a little bit more clear sorry about that the directors um, would give the actors directions the day of um, and actually uh, during one of the pivotal scenes um, that happens the other actors didn't know that was going to happen and they legitimately had genuine panic so like a, a lot of it is is just this really cool experience um, of of like just looking back on it like just removed from the hype even though I experienced the hype um, it, it was just it was spectacular um, so the marketing campaign is really, I think, what makes um, the movie is because it made a cult following before people even saw it. Um, even the news reported on it. They kept reporting, is it real? Is it not real? Um, the, <laughs> the parents of the actors got condolence, uh, condolence notes and flowers sent to their houses because people actually thought they were dead. Um, that, that's how believable all of this marketing campaign was. Like, people who actually lived in the towns with these folks. Could you imagine um, just coming home to, like, a condolence flower? It's like, honey, someone thinks you're dead. <laughs> that would be, uh, that would be interesting. I don't know how I would process that. I would probably say something, um, you know, self-deprecating, like, yes, I'm dead on the inside. Um, <laughs> or something of that nature. Um, which I don't know would work. Um, but still. 
Um, oh goodness, but but again, and I I'm gonna I'm gonna keep prefacing this, especially for for all of uh, any of our younger listeners who didn't live through 1999. Uh, this was the height of informa- of the information age, and also the internet's wild west era. Um, this was chat rooms, chain emails, urban legends were everywhere. Um, of course, people lie on the internet, but it was a time that it was unchecked. There really wasn't Snopes. There really wasn't like anything that you could fact check something against because you didn't have, unless it was a legitimate journalism, you didn't really have anybody being like, mm, no, this is this isn't true. You didn't have Reddit. You didn't you didn't really have um, the same level of of um, of internet sleuthing and investigation and disprove and, and the ability to disprove things as easily um as this um you know think back to middle school um the magical s that everyone somehow knew how to draw and that was from each coast uh and it, everywhere in between where everybody magically knew how to drew knew how to draw this s um those were the type of information lines these marketers had to deal with these were just complete gossip chains um of kids upon kids upon kids of young adults and 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 everybody um in between that was completely fascinated um by all of this um so so like i said this movie has absolutely um has absolutely defined a genre um it is the found footage concept um is is used in multiple different movies especially now um i would say kind of the height of this was um after the blair witch project itself was probably in 2007 with the release of paranormal activity um i think that's probably the best example um following the blair witch project um and everything that followed in between so uh but you also have like cloverfield and project x and vhs and a couple of those other ones where it's supposedly um found footage but this also wasn't the first time these types of movies were ever made. Um, you actually had um, the inspirations, what the directors had even mentioned, um, were, were inspirations for them to even do this, was a 1980, there was 1989 movie UFO Abduction. Um, this, <laughs> if you thought $60,000 was cheap in terms of making movies, this was $6,500 in order to make this movie. Um, it was a home video recording of a 1983 alien invasion in Connecticut during a five-year-old's birthday party. That's what the entire premise of that movie is. Um, I have not actually watched it, but I have watched the 1980 uh, movie Cannibal Holocaust. Um, and that was the one where uh, you're you're following a documentary crew that's gone missing in the Amazon, um, but they film their own gory demise, and that's what they find. Uh, and that that's how they quote unquote tell the story. It's again another found footage um, type of thing. But um, a lot of these um, a lot of these found footage movies are definitely using things um, that are in the realm of of true stories. We do actually have cannibals. Um, you know, there there are a lot of urban legends around witches, uh, and we do have serial killers. So a lot of a lot of what the Blair Witch is building off of is is taking um both of our a lot of those um same fears especially uh ones that we have rational or irrational um you know it's probably irrational to think that there is a a ghost but it's probably pretty rational that there could be a creepy dude that lives in the forest and might kill children so they they kind of play on both of those uh in order to make the premise of the entire movie um which which really uh leads into a lot of that true crime um, piece. So again, just to reiterate, 
The Blair Witch is awesome. There were actually three movies out of the entire uh, franchise that grossed nearly $341 million between the three movies. Um, the only one that you really have to watch is The Blair Witch Project. Uh, I never saw the 2016 one that came out that's just called The Blair Witch. Um, and The Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2, which I did watch, is awful, and don't watch it. Or do if you really want something campy and awesome. So, or just, yeah, just watch it. Just watch it. Don't but watch it. No, don't watch it. Um, <laughs> but also, if you do, tweet at me and tell me how it was. I can't remember if um, I saw the new one. I haven't, I don't know if I've seen the 2016 one, um, but I've definitely seen the other two. Um, and then there were a whole bunch of mockumentaries that came out, and two of those were the ones that used the Blair Witch, uh, footage that was not used in the film uh so that was curse the black witch uh i'm sorry Cur curse of the blair witch and then sticks and stones and exploration of the blair witch legend so so really even though the blair witch itself is fake and all the stories in between it we know plenty of stories that are very similar we know plenty of urban legends that are created from real life instances um and and um i feel like i feel like uh the directors did a really good job um just in in encapsulating uh the fear the rational the the irrational fear the rational fear and then capturing it in such a way that made it iconic and also definitive for an era um so let's see here some of the pop culture references that we have from the blair witch um there were actually uh eight young adult books um that were created uh called the blair witch files um and that was uh released uh by random house um and those were uh, pretty early on in in the blair witch phase Th those were from uh 2000 to 2001 uh is when those were all uh released um another another series of investigative uh phenomena um and then kind of being in the woods again it's it's all it follows a couple different people uh but also um they delve more into what could have happened uh to the three uh characters that died in uh or maybe died in um the movie so because we don't know so uh and then in terms of video games here's the here's the actual uh information that y'all want so there were actually some video games that were created, in fact, a trilogy of video games that were created in the year 2000, shortly following the actual movie. Um, so the developers, um, Terminal Reality, uh, were the same producers of an earlier game called Nocturne. Uh, Nocturne is a survival horror game set in the late 1920s and early 1930s. Um, it focuses on uh, living a life <clears throat> through the pro through the prohibition and Great Depression eras. Um, the player takes the part of the stranger, um, who is part of the fictional uh, group American government. Uh, the fictional, <clears throat> excuse me, my goodness, part of a fictional uh, secret organization that works with the American government called Spook House, um, and apparently it was created by President uh, Roosevelt. Uh, that, that's Teddy Roosevelt, not uh, Franklin D. Um, and it was used. Uh, it was uh, used in order to fight certain monsters. You follow this character uh, through a couple different things. Um, so they kind of use that same premise and that same uh, game base uh, in order to make the Blair Witch um, volumes one, two, and three. Um, and there were actually a couple different developer, developer studios that actually worked after Terminal Reality to do that. Um, 
they own Terminal Reality only worked on Blair Witch Volume 1, Rustin Parr. Uh, then you had Blair Witch Volume 2, which is The Legend of Coffin Rock, which is uh, the, which was done by Human Head Studios. And then you also had Blair Witch Volume 3, uh, The Ellie Kedward Tale uh, by Ritual Entertainment. Um, so you're kind of going into all the stories that they uh, that they reviewed in the movie. Uh, you have Rustin Parr, which is the hermit uh, serial killer. You have the legend of Coffin Rock. Um, that's where the five men uh, were were killed, and you found their bodies. Um, and then you have Ellie Kedward, um, which is the witch uh, who is supposedly the the start of all of this. Um, you're you're uh, investigating the tale with that. Uh, the trilogy overall received mixed reviews from critics. Um, most of the criticisms being they were too short, they didn't have very great controls. Um, the gameplay was really linear. There really wasn't any way for you to deviate from things. It was definitely a very story-based game. Um, and then, um, <laughs> really, the first one was the one where everyone was like, oh, I mean, I guess it's okay. And then the other two were were not great. Huh. Kind of like the movie franchise. <laughs> um, didn't make that connection until now, but it's really true. Um, and then, uh, I think, yeah. Um, so they were pretty good. Uh, in terms of what the technology was for the time and, and kind of the the rigidness that they worked in uh, in terms of just creating three games really quickly for people to play while the hype was still there. Um, and then uh, at E3 in 2019, uh, so that was earlier this year, a new Blair Witch game uh, was revealed for PC and Xbox One. Um, this was developed by Bloober Team. And as we all know, as I'm sure most of us who watch Twitch have seen at least one person we know play it, uh, the game was actually released on August 30th, 2019. Uh, it generally has mixed but fairly positive reviews um, in terms of story and execution. Uh, as per usual, you're always going to get kind of that, that um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, that constant criticism <laughs> that the controls just don't work for people. Um, that seems to be the, the consistent piece that comes from anything. Um, but, uh, I have, uh, watched it myself. You're kind of, you're following, um, a private investigator who is looking, uh, for a lost boy in the woods. Um, you're employed by the sheriff in or in order to, to help find him. And you have a search dog with you. Um, and you start to have these really weird instances that happen. Uh, you start going through flashbacks. Um, it feels very much kind of like um, uh, Outlast 2. Uh, it kind of gave me that that feel, um, going in and out of past and present and also experiencing d things differently. Um, but I think it has a pretty good execution overall. It definitely made me jump a couple times just watching some folks play, and I haven't actually played it myself. So um, I'm, I'm uh, not looking forward to playing that one in the future, um, but also looking forward to playing it in the future. <laughs> that makes two of us. <laughs> yes. I also the haven't played it yet. The communities will make it happen, regardless of, of what we want to do. Oh, for sure. Um, yes. So if you're not sold, if you're not sold yet, I would like to read you a quote from actually one of the actors that did the Blair Witch Project to see if you haven't seen it yet, to hopefully get you to see it. Um, it's, it's fairly short, so... Um, the first, uh, the first night or two, nothing really happened, and then eventually they started to, 
you could kind of hear them walking around, breaking stuff, throwing rocks at trees. It was actually really cool because you never saw where they were. You knew it was them, but your job as an actor is to put the reality of it being those guys out of your, uh, being those guys scared out of your mind. Just focus in on the sound. Uh, it kind of created circumstances that were very easy for us to believe were creepy. But that said, after the third or fourth night um, or the fifth night, you're really exhausted. And I remember we would wake up and be like, guys, did you hear that? And we'd be like, Ugh, yeah, I guess we have to do this. Do we have to get up and do this? So it was exhausting for them. Like th this wasn't an easy job, um, but I think the reward was it was very, very well received. Um, and and I hope um, I hope that that again the the campiness of the movie the innovation behind kind of that being done um, in the way that it was is really what is important about the Blair Witch Project. Um, it received enough Razzies to to last a lifetime. Um, you know the there it was the butt of a lot of jokes. There's plenty of jokes about the the super up close cam of heather crying um i'm sure even if you haven't seen the movie you've seen at least some instance of that um but i thought that it was it was uh really cool and i think that type of genre has even uh transpired into creating another uh type of more modern adaptation of using more modern technology um and and I think that a, a really good adaptation of that right now is also the movie that came out with John Cho uh, called Searching, um, where instead of found footage, like you wouldn't just find a cell phone nowadays, you're actually following someone's digital footprint in order to find out what happened to them, which I think is a really cool, our modern day um, Blair Witch Project adaptation of using the technology of today and kind of creating a new different story. And there was a really cool game um, that was similar to that. Um, I really don't want to fuck up <laughs> saying this, but uh, Sim uh, Simulacra? Simulacra? Did you ever play that game, Zoe? Uh, no. <laughs> okay. No, well, I that don't. was the one. Yeah, the one on the cell phone when the killer keeps messaging you and then you have to try to save people and you keep messing up and people keep dying <laughs> oh no oh my god no i haven't played that yeah it, it's I, i've seen a couple people play it and it is it is creepy i know it that there creepy. was there was this old game that like my mom had gotten and mm -hmm. it was uh like a, a computer game about like a like trying to track down a serial killer um but you would you would enter your email and you would get like Ooh. emails from the serial killer and what? it was like, yeah, it was like part of the game, though. I'll try to like figure out what it was. Maybe we can do like an episode about it or something. Um, that's kind of cool. That's kind of like Doki Doki uh, Literature Club when when they're like, you close the game and you know your files are corrupted and like that yeah, and you have to like, like go that. into it. Yeah, it was. Yeah, but it was super. Really cool. It was super weird that like um, it wasn't like I mean cl clearly there's some sort of automated messaging happening. Totally. But it it's it's weird to like see that outside of a game like it's not like your character's email inside of the video game like it's literally your email address right that you're well, and getting that's what makes it creepy right because it's so like in your face yes oh my goodness um so and now to get to the creepy the actual <laughs> the actual real life creepy part um the connection 
um, to this. So, no, uh, Rustin Parr isn't real. Um, but there are definitely jerks just as creepy as him that actually lived um, and were actually created into an urban legend. And it was actually an urban legend that turned out to be true. Um, wow. And mm -hmm, for those of you who don't know, this is the story of, uh, of, um, oops, sorry, of Andre Rand, uh, who was also known as Cropsy. So, what? yes. Wait. So for those of you who don't know the story of Cropsy, do you know the story of Cropsy, Zoe? Yes, this is, wait, this is connected to Cropsy? Yes, he is the subject of the entire documentary of Cropsy. Like, this is him. No, <laughs> my mind yes. is blown. My mind is blown. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I know of Cropsy. I don't think I know all the details, so... Uh, please tell me, but like, oh my, what? <laughs> what? Yes. So first of all, um, this is on this is on Netflix, or at least last I checked. Um, there was a 2009 documentary that was released called Cropsy that was based off of the urban legend um, of a of a murderer and a killer um, on Staten Island. Uh, for those of you who don't know, that's in New York. So um, in New York City specifically. Um, so. What this is, is um, it is the story of a, a kidnapper and a suspected serial killer. Um, he, was, he was not found for a very long time. Um, and uh, his name is actually Andre Rand. So uh, Rand was born a Frank Russian. Um, and we're not quite sure when he actually changed his name, uh, but apparently sometime that he did. Um, he grew up with his little sister um, very nearby uh, the uh, Pilgrim Psychiatric Center in Brentwood, New York. Um, and uh, their mother was actually institutionalized there, and they would visit her as teenagers. Um, uh, later on, uh, he worked as a custodian at the Willowbrook State School. Um, and he was also an orderly and a physical therapist, eventually um, working his way um, up the chain. Um, <laughs> here's the early warning signs. Um, he was actually convicted of a crime uh, very early on in his career at the Willowbrook State School, uh, where he picked up a group of 11 children from the YMCA uh, located in Staten Island, uh, literally on a school bus, uh, purchased a meal for them without the consent from any of their parents, and took them to the Newark Liberty International Airport in the state of New Jersey, literally crossing state lines. Um, none of the children were harmed in this encounter, but Rand was apprehended and served 10 months in jail for unlawful imprisonment. Yes. So this was, um, this was during the 1960s, um, so he obviously had some early warning signs. Um, in that he uh, did not know boundaries and uh, was very much a threat to children. Um, <clears throat> so when it comes um, to his victims, not all of these um, can actually be uh, supported. Um, he was actually only, I think, charged for um, uh, only one of the actual purported uh, instances that happened. Um, I'll kind of go into into his um, conviction because, you know, as with most of these uh, stories, they're not great in that department in terms of conviction and keeping people off the streets. Um, right. Uh, so uh, his first victim was in uh, 1972, 
Uh, Five-year-old Alice uh, Pereira uh, vanished after her brother had left her alone for just a moment. They were playing in the lobby of a building on uh, Staten Island. Reports also suggest Alice may have been sighted in one of the parks that was nearby. Uh, Rand was the prime suspect in this case due to his previous criminal record. Unfortunately, Alice was never seen again, and they couldn't uh, find any evidence actually to match him to that. Um, so, uh, that was the, the first instance of this. And then in, uh, 1981, uh, seven-year-old Holly Ann Hughes did not return home after going to the store. Um, Andre Rand, uh, pulled up to Holly and her friend and pulled Holly into the Volkswagen and drove off with her. Uh, her parents filed a missing persons report. This was all, um, sorry, this was all on account of the friend, uh, that went with her. Um, sorry, I think I skipped over that. Um, her parents filed a missing persons report, um, and a search was issued. When questioned, several eyewitnesses reported seeing Hughes with Andre Rand. Uh, she was last seen with him and was never seen again. Uh, and then, um, but that, but that case comes up later, um, thankfully, um, but not after some unfortunate heartache because they did actually never find um, her again. Uh, or any evidence of her, or any evidence that connected him to um, the missing uh, case. And then uh, the next case was in 1983. 11-year-old uh, uh, Tyhees Jackson was reported missing after her mother sent her to get food, uh, and she did not return from the store. Uh, she was last seen exiting um, the Mariner's Harbor Motel in Staten Island on August 14th, 12 days after Rand was released from prison. Rand was questioned... Uh, but no charges were brought. Um, he was, again, in uh, prison uh, for a minor charge. It wasn't for um, anything big, but it was definitely not a coincidence um, that he, uh, that she went missing um, after he was already out of prison. So that's why he was, again, um, questioned for that because it was kind of his MO. Um, so in the meantime, for, for those of you um, who don't know the, the history of Cropsey, this is sort of where this whole urban legend started. Um, so this was in the 1970s and 1980s, where people started making um, this larger-than-life monster that lived uh, in the woods of Staten Island, lived next to um, one of the old um, hospital mental institutions. They kept saying that it was a released um, inmate that had gone crazy, uh, and they could never find him, but he would always attack people in the forest. And so they, they sort of created this entire story. Um, around this, when in actuality, there was a, a purported serial killer in their midst who was sort of fueling this whole urban legend that was around it. But unfortunately, because they could never find uh, a lot of concrete evidence until a later um, uh, murder, um, he kind of went unchecked. And, and these, these, are, these are just, uh, these are not only alleged victims, but these could potentially be only a few of them as well. Um, uh, so to continue um, his his onslaught of awfulness, um, in 1984, uh, Hank Gaffario was reported missing um, after he did not return uh, home one night. Uh, Gaffario was described um, as as uh, challenged, um, and he did have uh, an IQ that was purported to be potentially in the 70s. Um, at the time of his disappearance, he was 22. Um, and uh, they, they're saying, uh, especially when it came to the documentary, that he was actually 21 um, when it happened. It was, it's some weird discrepancy that creates people to think that it wasn't him. But it, it was, yeah, it just, they, they, they uh, ran, tried to create a lot of doubt. 
uh, when he was questioned about this, and, and it was awful what they did. Um, so eyewitnesses reported last seeing uh, Gaffario at a local diner when Rand, with Rand early in the morning hours. His body was also never found. Um, so as you can see, this is sort of, again, fueling the fire uh, when it comes to the actual uh, legend. Um, so uh, thankfully, we are at the last alleged victim and, awful, and also one that, that finally um, sort of helped this um, murderer uh, kind of come to an end. Um, so this was in 1987. Uh, Jennifer uh, Schwanger, uh, who was born with Down syndrome, uh, was reported missing on July 9th. Uh, witnesses spotted Jennifer walking with Rand. Her body was found underground after a 35-day search. While combing the area around the Willowbrook State School, which was now closed, uh, a particular uh, spot caught the eye of retired New York City firefighter George Kramer. He returned with police. The entire body was un unearthed from a shallow grave, and the remains were positively identified of those of Schwanger. Uh, police searched the grounds for evidence and found one of Rand's makeshift campsites in the, in the proximity of it. They were able to find some personal effects and some things uh, that were known um, to, to be uh, Rand, um, who at this time was definitely uh, known to be in the area. Um, again, he was, he was sort of uh, created to be um, this boogeyman, both in legend, but also did a lot of activity that sort of supported that. Um, so with all of this evidence, uh, in 1988, uh, Andre Rand was charged with the kidnapping and first-degree murder of uh, Jennifer Schwanger. The Staten Island jury could not reach a verdict on the murder charge, but convicted Rand on first-degree kidnapping. Um, he was sentenced to, uh, for the max at that time to 25 years to life in prison. He would be eligible for parole in 2008 if not convicted of a second kidnapping. Um, and in 2004, uh, he was again brought to trial, this time charged with the kidnapping of Holly Ann Hughes. Um, and that was uh, the incident that had happened in 1981 at that point. So that, that was almost 23 years prior uh, to this conviction. Uh, there's no statute of limitations in New York for first degree kidnapping, which made this charge possible. Thank God. Um, and the jury convicted Rand of the kidnapping in uh, October of that year, and he was sentenced to another consecutive 25 years to life in prison. He will be eligible for parole in 2037, uh, but by that time, he will be 93 years old. Dang. So that is the story of uh, Andre uh, Rand and how, um, according to uh, sources, um, he he was built up um, to be Cropsy, um, this this deranged uh, psycho killer of Staten Island, and it turned out to be true. Um, so, um, and, uh, and also um, with it, uh, according to the documentary, um, some people, along with the detectives, uh, speculated that Rand may have been involved with Satanism and provided the children to be sacrificed. Ha! Huh, that sure sounds familiar. Like somebody getting a witch whispered into their uh, ear to tell them that they should sacrifice children. So when I was reading about this, I actually learned about Rand um, a couple years ago during one of my other um, rabbit hole um, investigations and, and look-throughs, and I actually watched uh, the Cropsy documentary. Um, and the second I sort of um, was doing this research, I was like, oh, that story sounds oddly familiar. Um, and it, it kind of has some of those similar um, creepy uh, and unfortunately real pieces to it um, of, of serial murder jerk faces um, and them Super being bad. Creepy. Yep. So that's the story of Andre Rand. Damn. And 
Cropsy. Cropsy. I can't believe it relates to Cropsy. I honestly like that's just crazy. <laughs> yep, yep. I I recommend the documentary. It's not it's not an easy watch, and you know, as as you'll find out, especially um, in investigating a lot of true crime. Um, I think the most unfortunate part of it is how victims are treated, um, mm. how their families are treated. Yes. Um, and also um, how sur- uh, yeah how survivors are treated. Um, and how it sort of becomes um, just this usual game of how do we spot the lie? And, yeah. and it's always brought with um, tarnishing people and destroying things and creating so much uh, doubt in stories that it just isn't, it's not right. Um, I know it's important to find the truth, but if, if you're if you're willingly bend it in order to give your your most likely murderer a better deal, um, you're a horrible person. So yeah, that's fair. Yep. Oh my gosh. So that's my that's my womp womp. Um, <laughs> womp in womp. terms of an ending. Yep. Um, but yeah. So that's the Blair Witch Project. Everybody should go watch the 1999 movie because it's great. Um, and know that. Uh, all those rational and irrational fears that exist uh, have existed before and in other fabulous stories. Yeah, so. I'm exci- I'm also excited to see like what tie-ins they have in the in the new game because neither of us have played the new game. Mm-mm. So that's I, I, I'm I'm interested. I mean, I'm not interested, but I'm interested <laughs> in seeing <Right. laughs> in seeing what you know, like what. What did they put into that game? Because clearly, it's not going to be like the three people in the woods, like, like you said, like it's it's a different story. But I wonder, like, what ties to the franchise it's going to have, um, besides just being in a forest. Absolutely, um, and I should cite my sources. I'm sorry. Um, uh, I uh, my sources uh, for most of that story uh, were uh, from the New York Daily News. Um, uh, the New York Times, uh, Cropsy, um, in itself, uh, especially the Antidote uh, film that was released in 2009, um, and then also uh, Yahoo. Uh, there was a couple. There was actually some pretty decent articles from them uh, for once. So, woo, <laughs> yeah. Also, we should. I just want to touch upon the 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 film theory that I sent you. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. I love that. Because oh like please, that, please please give the recap because I, I have talked enough. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm about to talk a lot too, so <laughs> that's all this is is us talking. Oh my god, is that the premise of a podcast? Oh my god, did we just figure something out? <laughs> <laughs> We're so smart. <laughs> We're super smart. Um, no, that film theory, like that's that's one of the things that like, w- n- like a couple things are why I wanted like us to talk about Blair Witch obviously because yeah. like it's Halloween and like Blair Witch is like a staple now like you oh, were absolutely. saying and cult and classic cult classic and the new game just came out and so like there's so many things but like that film theory sticks with me because it's just it's one of those like conspiracy theories that I'm like obsessed with mm-hmm. um it, like it's true crime but it's a conspiracy theory because like they were Basically, the the film theory of Blair Witch is that if you were if you were to look at it as like a like a real docu series, like a real like found footage, yep. um, 
it was instead of them finding something paranormal, it was the two guys planned to murder this girl and used the legends and mythos behind the forest to lure her into the woods and then they faked one going missing and like all the crazy shit that happens in the movie they those two people seemingly faked it to make her paranoid make her crazy um and and then subsequently kill her and get away with it and it was just such a strange way to look at that movie and it was you know like even though like we've established that movie's fake like the yep. movie like the whole premise was all the to, actors are still alive all they're the all, actors they're, they're are still alive yeah actually heather is a marijuana grower now and that's also, amazing yep and also has a me- has a memoir of and it has a picture of her with like the marijuana like covering uh, covering her her boobies yeah. And, and on her of just being like, you know, like, look at me. I'm, I'm so into marijuana. It's great. I like it. I support it. I'm That's not amazing. Making... Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> That's so amazing. Yeah. She, she wrote a memoir about all of her exploits in, in her life, and it's, it's pretty great. Oh, my God. That's so cool. Yep. Yeah. So, like, it, obviously, it's, it's not real, but just to, like, take that movie and look at it from a completely different perspective. And, and, and a, a lot of the behavior uh, that um, film theory kind of um, talks about, you're, you kind of sit there and you're just like, oh, oh. Yeah, yeah like, it like oh, all yeah, that fits. that is super suspicious. It all fits. Like, the whole, yeah. like, thing about the map. Um, if you I, haven't thought, s- I thought the map was good, and then the, the calling out where they were going in the house was also good. Yeah. Um, oh, my God, the, yeah. Ki- like, kinda, why would you like... vocally – if you've ever seen the movie, you would know what we're, like, referencing in, in, yep. in the sense of, like, the – they, why would you call out like that? You just wouldn't. Yeah. Like, that wouldn't be a thing. And so, like, it, but it makes sense in the context of two people trying to kill someone. And yeah. it was just such a weird way of looking at the film. Now, like, my mom saw Blair Witch in theaters and, like, you know, she's, like, a horror movie queen and all that stuff. And she, like, loves the premise behind it and all that. And, and totally. I told her this theory and she was just like, no, I can't, I can't, be- like, I can't, be- like, I can't it look at it that way. Like, she's like, I can't, it's going to mess me up because, like, <laughs> it's, it's, it makes sense, but it doesn't make sense. That's not the movie. Like, she didn't want right. to, like, she was like a non-believer. But, like, I my. Think, I think it's a fun alternate explanation. Oh, yeah. Uh, for the movie. 100%. I love it. I, I think it's, I think it's very inviting and it's also a really interesting true crime perspective. Exactly. Which I think is why I love it so much. Probably. So if you guys, we're a little biased. Yeah, just just a little bit, just a little bit. <laughs> but yeah, if you guys if you guys want to check out what what the hell we're talking about, um, it's film theory. It's the Blair Witch Project film theory. It's like not YouTube. even twenty minutes long. It's worth your time. Yeah, just do it. Yeah, no, it's definitely definitely worth it. And a lot of his videos are so yeah, recommend. Oh, that was that was so good. Thank that was real you. Good. I was definitely, I was definitely kept reading my notes of just like, okay, slow down. Okay, slow down. Okay, stop talking so fast. <laughs> no, just you just my, just my gentle reminders. Thank you. That's great. Um, I was actually running through them just to make sure I, I touched upon everything, but I think I did. So, um, that Nocturne game sounded really, really interesting, and then I was just like, I'm gonna watch a couple. Nope, this, this is awful. I can't. Oh. But at the same time, it was, it's again, it was from 2000. So like. You, yeah. you get what you're working with. Yeah. So I, I still love playing the original Doom. So 
I'm okay with it. <laughs> you get, you get, well, that's how I felt booting Mist back up. I'm like, I'm getting mad at things I shouldn't be getting mad at because this game was made so long ago. <laughs> like, when are we going to play Mist together again? Um, I want to do it. I don't know. We need like a sleepover. We do. We need Not like a that. murder mystery party sleepover. <laughs> <gasps> and then we can have like a movie on. Yeah. We'll play Mist. We'll have a movie. We'll do a podcast. It'll be great. Oh, oh my gosh. We'll just record all of our reactions of us swearing at a game that's like. <laughs> so old. How, how old is it now? How. Uh, almost 30 years, I'd say. Oh, my Lanta. That's almost as old right? as me. Lanta, Lanta. No, almost 20 years. 20 years sounds more. 20 years sounds more right. accurate. Yeah think it's almost no maybe it's not maybe it's almost 15 i don't know i'm just making up 93 it was 93 okay i was yeah. doing 93 so no it's almost 30 years i was right the first time i was math years old <laughs> i was a sperm <laughs> you were uncoded dna i was not existent um you were a tear in your father's eye yep Still am. Still <laughs> am. <laughs> oh, All right. So let's, should we switch it up? Yeah, I'm ready. Sweet. Tell me a story. All right, you guys. So I'm going to be talking about Slenderman. Yes. I'm so excited. I mean, also, but Ooh. also, yay. Yeah, I know. Slenderman, like, everyone kind of knows Slenderman. Like, it's, it's, it's. It's known. It's a known thing. It's a known internet thing. Um, but Don't be surprised when you Google that when you're listening to us. Yeah. But, wow. Rabbit holes, man. Rabbit holes. <laughs> um, so I will start at the beginning of just the beginning of Slenderman. Okay. If you, if you don't know anything, this will be a, a full Wikipedia of Slenderman cough cough because i got it from wikipedia um, <laughs> so slenderman is known as um a mythical creature often depicted as a tall thin figure wearing a black suit with a completely white blank face now legend and i put those in little bunny ear parentheses mm -hmm. I, I feel the air quotes you feel it it's in mm -hmm. there it's a vibe <laughs> uh, legend states that he can stretch and shorten his arms at will and has four to eight tentacles coming out of his back which he can contract at will and, th and then those tendrils that come out of his back uh, and also his fingertips can then be used to walk giving him this like floaty essence much like Doc Ock but in a much spookier and terrifying manner um <laughs> He also has superhuman stretching abilities so that he can loom over his victims and he can teleport at will. Now, this creature can cause memory loss, insomnia, paranoia, coughing fits known as slender sickness, nosebleeds. Um, it's, been, it's been told that he can affect photo and video, so make it like all staticky, wonky, the works. Now, Slenderman, surprisingly, has a lot of uh, names that I didn't know about. Um, he's been referred to as The Operator, Ooh. Der Grossman, Mr. Slim, 
the administrator, Daddy Longlegs, Mr. Ugh. Finn, the tall man, the thin man, Slendy. Uh, he's also been tied to, and I'm going to butcher this real quick, um, Fear Dub, maybe? It's the dark man in Scotland, and he's also been tied to the Dutch, also going to butcher this, Taken Man, okay, which is known as a Branch Man. So he's said to have existed for centuries, covering large geographical areas, and oftentimes it is reported that he can be found in the woods, often near suburbs, um, where he can find large groups of children, which are his most common prey. I'm starting to see some correlations between our stories. Mm, yes. <laughs> Just wait. <laughs> Just you wait. <laughs> um... So it's known, well, it's known and unknown of how he attacks or kills his victims. Mm -hmm. um, so he can either absorb them, kill them, or just take them to undisclosed locations or dimensions. And nobody knows how or where these people go, like how they die or where they go, because no bodies or evidence is ever left behind. Um, Slenderman has, of course, inspired fan art, creepypastas, and a mockumentary-style yes. video series in the style of Blair Witch, yes. which is why I kind of wanted you to go first, because I knew I we was going to bring this scene. up. Yes, we set, set the, the scene. scene. Set the scene of Blair Witch. If I had referenced Blair Witch, no one would know what we're talking about, but now we do. Nope. So mm -hmm. there is a mockumentary, which I will talk about. Um, it's in the style of Blair Witch. It's also Slenderman has inspired games, movies, etc., so, origin. Uh, on June 8th, 2009, the forum Something Awful posted a Photoshop contest for paranormal pictures. Uh, this would be people would turn ordinary photos into creepy images through digital manipulation. And then the users would post these photos with fabricated witness accounts to try and authenticate and make people believe in their Photoshop entry. Um, so on June 10th, Victor Surge, uh, otherwise known as Eric Nudson, that was his real name, but his online username was Victor Surge, he posted two black and white photos of unnamed children featuring a mysterious creature in the background with the description Slenderman. He followed these up with two f obviously fabricated witness accounts. Um, which are, we didn't want to go, we didn't want to kill them, but its persistent silence and outstretched arms horrified and comforted us at the same time. 1983 photographer unknown presumed dead. Uh, and then... You should see my face right now, by the way. <laughs> I wish I could. <laughs> it's ter it's, I'm terrified. Uh, I don't think I've ever heard that actual story. Holy really? <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Um, one of the two recovered photographs from Sterling City Library Blaze, notable for being taken the day which 14 children vanished and for what is referred to as the Slender Man. Deformities cited at, as film defects by officials. Fire at a library occurred one week later. Actual photograph confiscated as evidence. 18, or 1986. Photographer Mary Thomas. Missing since June 13th, 1986. So those are the two blurbs that he, like, posted with his photos. Um, of course, 
he went to on to improve the myth further, constantly adding other pictures and a fake doctor account and more accounts. Um, a user leech code five then added a photo of their own. Another user Trenchmall used the character Slenderman in his own story, and then thus went so on and so forth. Uh, Nedson said that his intention was to formulate something whose motivations can barely be comprehended and which cause unease and terror in a general population. So he I wanted to create something spooky. <laughs> I, I would say job well done. <laughs> now, here are the precursors that I did not know about Slenderman because I knew Slenderman, Slenderman was an online like meme mm -hmm. or in uh, like a fake creepypasta, but I didn't actually know that like the reason why he's so believable is because there's so much precursor connections that people were starting to find that kind of like back up his existence, <laughs> which mm -hmm. is like just terrifying. Um, the earliest argued reference to the legend is within cave pa paintings found in the, again, I'm sorry for butchering, um, Sur da Capivara National Park in the northeast of Brazil. These okay. cave paintings are believed to date as far back as 9000 BC. And these paintings show a strangely elongated character leading a child by the hand. But it makes no reference to the extra appendages on this, like, creature. Mm -hmm. So it, it and, and I looked at the photo and it literally looks like a very tall dude with a bunch of like tentacle arms um so it, it really does look like slender man oh um, the next known possible reference comes from around uh 3100 bc in lower egypt uh hieroglyphic carvings representing the thief god were found in a pharaoh's tomb uh this pharaoh was rumored to have had some kind of a encounter with the entity the carvings resemble a strange figure with multiple upper limbs and it has never been seen in any other hieroglyphic language. What? So it's just this one thing. Um, the next one is, like I said, Der Grossmann, which I'm probably messing that up as well. Um, it's German folklore concerning a tall boogeyman existing since the 16th century in the Schwarzwach Forest, which is, a bla is the Black Forest in Germany. Um, it's actually a place in Germany. Like, it's a real forest. Um, and this is where the creature is to have first appeared. Of course, um, in 2003, uh, so still not 2009, still <laughs> before Slenderman, um, an ongoing series of amateur adventure games titled, I think it's Zomythos, but that feels like way too meta. Um, also, it's got a <laughs> CH at the beginning, so I don't know how to pronounce that, I'm, but I'm going to call it the Zomythos, just to like follow my own ego. Um, published by Ben Yahtzee Croshaw, it is a four-part series programmed um, with Adventure Game Studio, and it's centered around the fulfillment of, of the prophecies of the Zo, um, a wicked pain elemental and his attempt to create a bridge between the two realms of magic and technology through many centuries. Why is that important? Um, well, in those video games, there's a main villain called the Cabadath, 
are sometimes referred to as the tall man. Mm-hmm. And you you don't see the character f- for a while. Um, not until later on in the series you actually see what this character looks like. And it is a tall, thin man in a long, black, high-collared coat with tails that touch the ground and a blank, white face. It is often seen stalking and trying to kill the main character. Oh, good. So, I mean, that's, like, pretty close to Slenderman, and this is before Slenderman even, like, was a thing. So and I'm actually, I actually just uh, Googled that, and those are, that's pretty close and also terrifying. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Very terrifying. Um, obviously, other inspirations for the character was the tall man from the 1979 film Phantasm. Uh, stories from H.P. Lovecraft, and also the survival horror video game Silent Hill and Resident Evil. Um, and then, of course, uh, Slenderman became a 4chan thread in June tw- on June 24th in 2009, and it was coupled with a bunch of like fan art illustrations. Um, and then it it's an archived thread now, but it, I mean, like it was like four, I think it was 45 pages long or something like that. It was a very long thread. Um, Professor Shira Chess of the University of Georgia uh, connected the Slender Man to ancient folklore about fairies. I think it was a stretch, though. I was reading the, the like, thing, her little synopsis about Slender Man, and I mean, it, mm-hmm. I guess you could say that it's connected to fairies and that he's kind of a fairy because he's mythical, he's not seen, works with children uh like it was was a stretch but i I see it as an irish woman uh i was always taught uh to to be wary of of the we and the fey folk and uh, i can see why i find the slender man terrifying (laughs) but he's not we i mean i guess he's He's not we but it's it's definitely he's definitely fey with the whole interdimensional thing oh uh, true so that's true um, so the, the video series, the Blair Witch style video series, mm-hmm. this was shaky cam, super up close in the face, <laughs> yeah. lots of spinning and going, oh my God, what was that? <laughs> kind of. Um, mm-hmm. So at a fictional film school, uh, a friend named Alex Crayley stumbled upon something while, uh, something troubling while shooting his first feature length project, Marble Hornets. So the video series, published in a found footage style on YouTube, forms an alternate reality game describing the filmer's fictional experience with the Slender Man. So it has ARG like components. Uh, it incorporates a Twitter feed and an alternate YouTube channel created by the username To The Ark. And as of 2013, Marble Hornets had over 250,000 subscribers and had received 55 million views. Um, So this web series established the idea of um, proxies. So those Mm -hmm. are the humans that fall under Slender Man's influence, which that will come into play much later. Um, And though initially they were simply violently insane, rather than the puppets of Slender Man, Marble Hornets introduced the idea that Slender Man could also interfere with video and audio recordings. Mm. And also this video series established the Slenderman symbol 
which is the circle with the X in the middle, like the right. X inside the circle. Um, so the video series kind of like established a bunch of different like extra things that are often tied into the Slenderman, like um, uh, legend, myth, mythos. And, uh, but it also was, like, found footage video of, like, I'm fighting mm-hmm. the Slender Man and trying to make him, like, real. Um, in 2016, Sony Pictures uh, partnered with Mythology Entertainment to bring a Slender Man film into theaters. And it released in August of 2018. Um, but it was a box office bomb. It did terrible. <laughs> it was so bad. Um, it had a lot of negative reviews. Um and it was just it was one of those like bad scary movies um prior to that like the campy kind just the (laughs) ones that just don't make any sense yeah exactly not campy at all just like really just weird um i remember reading like the movie spoiler for it and it 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 was bad it was it was not good (laughs) that's unfortunate um in two that obviously prior to this in 2012 um slender man was adapted into a video game which is Mm -hmm. you know the video game portion of my my tale um it most of the time at least in the gaming world if you hear about slender man you're not talking about the online internet meme you're talking about the game slender um so it was adapted into a video game called slender the eight pages and within its first month of release, the game was downloaded over two million times. Wow. Um, of course, it was a free-to-play game, so that makes sense. Yes. Uh, but, yeah, that's how popular this this legend was. Obviously, variants awesome. of the game included Slenderman Shadow, Slenderman for iOS, and then the sequel, Slender the Arrival. So, Excuse me, breaking into the video game of it all, uh, Slender the Eight Pages is a free-to-play uh, indie-developed first-person survival horror game. Uh, like I said, it was released in June of 2012 as a beta. It used Unity, like it was developed in Unity, um, by, and it was created by Mark J. Hadley. So Slender the Eight Pages is set in the middle of a forest during the middle of the night. Uh, it's played from the first-person perspective. The player's objective is to collect all eight notes, which are located in various areas of the forest, and you have to be avoiding, obviously, the Slender Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, the player is equipped with only a flashlight to see through the dark, and its battery life is limited and will eventually shut down permanently if left on for an extended period of time. Oh, good lord. And um, also there's like a part about like running. like You can't... First of all, like, when your character runs, it, like, looks down. And then second of all, like, you have, like, stamina in the game. So you often, like, become out of breath, slow down, like, if you just run around. So it's not like Outlast where you can just book it anywhere. Um, so the game, uh, the game, when the game is over, so, like, if you get caught by Slenderman, um, the player, or... The, the game tends to get over if you either get caught by Slenderman or you take too long to find a note. Mm-hmm. Um, you stare at Slenderman for too long if you see him. Um, or, like I said, if you just come in contact with him. And that's when, that's when it's over. Uh, it'll give you, like, a static screen, like a jump scare. 
And then when it first came out, it would actually quit out your game to the desktop. It would That's fully great. quit out your game. Um, and then they implemented the whole like black screen that's like, do you want to play again or do you want to quit? Um, if you beat the main game, you actually unlock the daytime mode where you can play the same game but just during the day without a flashlight. Um, and then if you beat daytime mode, you unlock $20 mode in which a player, you know, it's, it's back to the original game at night. But if you see Slenderman, <laughs> a song called $20 by rap artist Ron Browse starts playing. And this is a reference to the fan meme, if you give Slender $20, he will go away. <laughs> um, so it's kind of like a meme level, uh, a meme of a meme, I guess. Memeception. Memeception, indeed. So then the sequel of Slender came out uh, March 26th of 2013. It's called Slender the Arrival. This is actually the one that I feel most people play. Um, you, you do have to purchase this one. It was an actually fully realized commercial version of the, of the original game that was more of an indie project. Mm -hmm. um, it's still a first-person survival horror game, but it was developed by Blue Isle Studios, and um, through Parsec Productions. It actually has, in Chapter 6, a remake of the level in Slender, the eight pages. Um, it was also developed in Unity. It's available on all platforms. It's really the game that everyone typically goes to if they want to play Slender. Um, a majority of the game takes place in abandoned areas, um, each with different objectives. Slender the Arrival uses similar mechanics to its predecessor, and the character is armed with only a flashlight. There are also new choices in difficulty, which must first be unlocked by completing the game once, which are easy, normal, and hardcore. Oh, jeez. Um, the craziest thing, though, that I actually didn't know is that this game has a plot? <laughs> it like, does? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, like, Slender... The eight pages does not have a plot. Like, it's just, no, it's you, just collect things as quick as you can. Yeah, it's you in a forest, find all eight pages, don't get don't get eaten, you know? Yep. But this this game is very um Outlast esque. Oh, okay. Um, it has a plot. Basically, the plot is is that Lauren goes to visit her childhood friend Kate after receiving unsettling letters. Also, I'm going to spoil this game hardcore. So um <laughs> I have no remorse for this. Um, if if you want to play Slender the Arrival, I would just skip like five ten minutes in the podcast because um, I'm I'm a, a spoil I'm a spoil I'm a spoil it. Spoil um, it, spoil me. Lauren goes to visit her childhood friend Kate after receiving a bunch of unsettling letters. She discovers Kate's home is disheveled and empty. She can't find Kate anywhere. Um, she then hears a scream. And eventually heads into the wooded park behind the house. Eventually, after wandering around, turning on a bunch of generators, uh, she discovers a burnt farmhouse. And inside, she meets someone called Charlie Matheson Jr., who is a boy who had disappeared years prior and is very deformed. Of course, once approaching Charlie, he actually then disappears. Oh. Um... So, more exploration, she's running from Slender, yada, yada, yada. 
she eventually comes on a, a mysteriously abandoned mine. And again, through she has to like turn on a bunch of generators again, you know, different. Um, it's it's a lot of different. It's different than collecting pages. Like you have to like collect things, but you also have to like turn on a bunch of generators. Um, in the mines, though, she faces off a figure known as the Chaser, um, which is it's very ring esque. Like it's a it's like a woman esque figure, very long hair, completely filthy. Um, but it's it's interesting that there's like a, a a villain in addition to Slenderman that you have to like run away from. Um, so eventually she finds a, a video like videotapes, um, and she finds a video of Kate scribbling messages, which you know are all the papers that you find in the game, um, and attempting to lock up her house uh, to try and get away from Slenderman. Of course, he gets in, and then she is seen jumping from her window. Um, that's where the video cuts. There's also two other videos along with this one. There's a video of someone named Carl Ross, uh, also known as um, also known as Charlie, uh, who faces off Slenderman. Uh, he he is seen. Oh, sorry, no, that's my notes are wrong. Don't listen to me. Um, there's a video of Carl Ross who is an like a, an investigator and like he like also faces off Slenderman. And then there is another, the third video is of Charlie. So the boy from the farmhouse. The, that third video is of Charlie, who is also like going insane and is in a fire and like fighting off Slenderman. So they're all people who like tr were trying to escape Slenderman and, and subsequently went mad and then the video cuts and you don't really know what happened to them. Um, following uh, messages, Lauren then goes to a radio tower and more generators and finding a key later she um actually opens a door to a dead end um inside this room are a bunch of dead bodies and um fire and a video of people panicking oh good uh so then like the game ends super weird uh Charlie basically gets you. Like, it's not even Slender Man. It's just this, like, deformed boy. Like, Charlie is the one who, like, gets you. And then um, an update later. So an update that came later offers a different ending, which oh. is that Lauren awakes in the basement of that burnt farmhouse. And the, um, the like, exit is, like, guarded by Charlie. And you have to do things to make him go away. And then after that, you hear someone crying upstairs. And you go upstairs and you find that it's Kate. But then Kate turns into the chaser. Ooh. Which alludes to the fact that she was the chaser the whole time. Holy crap. Um, and attacks you. And after, you know, like... Also, the reason why I f said, and I probably should have said this earlier, of why I think it's, like, very Outlast-esque... Is because Slender the Arrival is also, like, viewed through a camera. Oh, okay. Um, so, like, Lauren is recording this whole thing. Uh, so when you face off with the chaser, i.e. Kate, um, you get attacked, your camera falls, and then legs are seen being dragged off camera. And you don't know if it's Lauren dragging Kate or Kate dragging Lauren or Slender dragging Lauren or, you know, mm -hmm. whatever. Um... 
so it doesn't it doesn't end on a positive note <laughs> um wow but but in that game you're you're facing off like three different people you're facing off slenderman and then like two like minions i guess um the other two video games are uh, Slender Rising and Slender Rising 2, which are iOS games developed by Michael Hedgeman. Um, these were the first one being published in no or November 12th in 2012, and the second one, the sequel, being published in January 16th, 2014. These are just iPhone games. Um, they relatively are the same premise of you're going around trying to avoid Slenderman um, and collect stuff. So that is like the full on like lore of Slenderman. I mean, everyone photoshops him into old photos, new photos. Um, yep. It's kind of the whole premise of this legend is that there's not really a whole lot of information, but there's definitely a lot of speculation. Right. Um, and that's kind of why he's so mysterious and creepy. Um, and then also there's like, if it, the further down the rabbit hole, the more memes you're gonna get, because you know people have created a a brother of Slenderman, who's like I don't even remember so the Slenderman. name. It, it's like it's like <laughs> supposed to be like a suave, like comedic version of Slenderman, and then also Slenderman, slender, slender, <laughs> slimmer man. <laughs> um, and then also Slenderman, they gave Slenderman a daughter because at one point the meme of became. Course they did. Of course they did. The meme became that Slenderman was actually the protector of children. Oh. And then they gave Slender like it was supposed to be Slender protected people who were being bullied, and then you know they started making fan art that Slender had well, a daughter. Kind of a nice twist. Right. It's kind of sweet. Awful. It was kind of sweet. I mean, granted, I think he still ch kills the children that are mean to people. 100%, but, I mean, <laughs> but you know what? They're not mean to anyone else ever again. It's okay. Fair. Um, but yeah, they gave him like a daughter that he was like paternal towards. It was, uh, it's weird. It, the internet is a weird place. It's um, uh, rule 34. Yeah. <laughs> 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 But so all of this, all of this lore, all of this crazy, crazy stuff, um, obviously led to some true crimes. Indeed, it Indeed did. Indeed, it does. Um, so this is the most notable connection. The this this crime is known as the Slenderman stabbings. Or stabbing, I should say. It's not plural. Um, it is known as the Slenderman stabbing. So this is, if you look up any true crime related to Slenderman, you'll, you'll surprisingly get a few, but this is the one. Um, so on May 31st in 2014, three 12-year-old girls who were classmates gathered for a sleepover in the Milwaukee suburb of Waukesha? Waukesha? I want to say Waukesha, but I feel like that's wrong. Uh, the girls... Uh, I would say Waukesha. Waukesha? Mm -hmm. Alright, Waukesha. The girls were enrolled in the same school, and they were not known to have ever been in trouble, have any disciplinary, you know, actions taken. Um, 
Of course, the following morning after their sleepover, two of the girls, Morgan Geyser and Aniso Wire, Wire again, not sure, um, were found walking along the highway with a large kitchen knife in their bag. The third girl from the sleepover, Peyton Lautner, was found in the nearby woods. Peyton was left for dead and uh, was able to crawl to the road where a passing bicyclist had stopped to help her. Wire and Geyser were described as feeling guilty for what they had done and to their friend, but felt that the attack was needed to appease Slenderman. Uh, Wire was the one who told investigators, I wanted proof that he existed. I was afraid of what would happen if I didn't. I didn't want to find out what would happen if we didn't. She also said that she knew that if she didn't follow through with the attack, Slenderman would come and kill her family in a whole three seconds. So, um, the girls had... There's not a whole lot of backstory, because, again, these are 12-year-olds, so um, they don't do, like, a whole, like, life story, because they don't have a life story. They're 12. Um, so I don't really know much about these singular individuals, but the girls had discovered Slenderman on a creepypasta wiki, mm-hmm. and they had believed that Slenderman was real. Um, of course, this is where it gets, like, weird, because... You know, if you if you believe like a spooky thing is real, you typically are afraid of it. Um, but these two girls wanted to prove their loyalty to him so that they could become his proxies, prove his existence and prevent him from harming their family. So they believed that the only way to do that would be to kill someone as like a sacrifice. Um, and then after they did that, they would become the servants of Slenderman and live in his mansion, which they thought was located in the Nicollet National Forest. So, like, there's a, there's a lot going there's on there. There's a lot to unpack there, yeah. And also the fact that they're the age that they are. Yeah. Um, and that they were able to have their faces and the entire court proceedings televised. Is yeah crazy like that i i I remember i mean i'm obviously i'm from chicago so i got um a lot of the news when this happened um i remember it was like nbc's like favorite story um ever for like a solid month um so yeah that's that's terrifying yeah 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 well i mean it also just like made news just because like it was just so insane like just the idea that these girls read this thing online and decided to commit murder Mm -hmm. to go live in a fictional mansion in the woods with a interdimensional demon. Like, just the whole premise of it is just, like, over the top. Especially because when you think about, like, if you want to protect your families from a, a, like, a, a bad entity... Why, why would, would you, you also do something bad? Well, why would you do something bad? But also, why would you want to join them? Because there's like a dual, <laughs> right. there's like a dual vibe here. That's like, yeah. I want to protect my family, but also I want to become his servant and do things for him and live in his mansion and appease yep. him and prove my loyalty to him. Like those are two very different things. Yep. So it's just like it's a lot. 
So this was all premeditated. Wire and Geyser initially planned the attack on Lautner on May 30th, 2014. Um, they planned to tape the victim's mouth shut and stab her in the neck and then flee. Um, they did not carry out the attack, though. Geyser believed to have, uh, or Geyser is believed to have wanted to give Lautner one more day to live, um, which is just like messed up. Um, yeah. A second plan was uh, to attack Lautner in the bathroom at a local park because they knew that choosing that, or they wanted to choose that location for the fact that the bathroom in the park had drains for Lautner's blood. Oh, boy, that's way too much thinking. Oh, boy. Yeah, that's, like, too much, for, like, forethought. Yes. They ended up having a sleepover where they lured Peyton Lautner uh, into the woods before stabbing her 19 times in the arms, legs, and torso with a five-inch long kitchen knife. Two wounds were two major organs. One missed her heart by less than a millimeter, Holy shit. And another went through her diaphragm, cutting into her liver and stomach. Oh, my God. The girls then told Lautner that they were going to go get help, and they just left her. Um, they never intended on getting her help, but they just told her that they would. Um, of course, then she, like a trooper, crawled to the fucking edge of the forest. And... Um, and she did live. She was hospitalized for six days. Uh, or she, she wasn't hospitalized for just six days, but she recovered and, like, came to after six days in the hospital. Um, so she, this is definitely, like, more of, like, an I survived story than an actual murder. Yes. Um, but, you know, it's... That's kudos to that biker for stopping. And yes. And kudos to, to her for having the freaking strength. Uh, and will survive because at 12 and with with a wound that that hurt your liver and your stomach and almost missed your heart that that's insane yeah at 12 to just crawl through the forest i mean like she's 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 a badass certified um so anisa wire was sentenced to 25 years to life um an indeterminate sentence involving at least three years locked in confinement and involuntary treatment in a state psychiatric institute followed by communal supervision until age 37. Morgan Geyser was sentenced to the maximum 40 years to life um, wow. which was involved at least three years locked in confinement in addition to involuntary treatment in a state psychiatric institute until complete resolution of symptoms or until age 53 whichever one came first. Um, of course, technically both of these girls were sentenced, like, they, they pled guilty, but they actually were found not guilty by reason right. of insanity, so, right. um, they're not, they're not, like, getting jail, but they're getting jail, if that, like, makes sense, because they're, they're basically in the nut house for the rest of their lives. Um, the, the the proceedings that they that they went through were to protect the public, yes. not yeah to convict them. Yeah, if that makes sense. Yes. Um, yeah. <coughs> excuse me. Um, so the I believe this was the judge. I probably should have written those down. 
Um, but Bo Ren said, what we can't forget is this was attempted murder. Mm-hmm. Um, and earlier he had heard from four doctors who talked about how Geyser was making progress with her mental illness. Um, but Bo Ren called the teenager a fragile person whose long history of delusions make her a risk to hurt herself and others. Um, which is true, because, like, they felt bad about it, but they still thought it was right, which right. is why there, it's wrong. There, there was a lot of, of conscious, forward-thinking, planning questions yes. and and thoughts that went through all of their heads. Oh, so, yeah. Or, all, like, or through their heads through all of this. Yeah. Um, so all of their heads. What is English? It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> So here's where the rabbit hole happened. Yay, (laughs) rabbit hole. I was reading the article about the stabbing, Mm -hmm. and it ended with a, like, kind of, like, one-off, like, sentence of, like, you know, um, crazy that this all happened because of Slenderman, almost kind of like that 16-year-old serial killer. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? (laughs) You're going to need to expand on that. Mm-hmm. So uh, I was like, I saw the word serial killer, and I was like, I'm sorry, hmm? Huh? Mm-hmm. Seri- what? So on, June, or J- on July 2nd in 2018, uh, this, is, this is kind of not a great story. Um, we get excited when, we, when true crime people see the word serial killer because it means, like, interesting topic, but also it does mean, like, not great stuff Um, heartache and and definitely depression and definitely contemplating you know why people are like this exactly um this story is very sad because it is a 16 or 16 it is a six-year-old girl Mm -hmm. which always makes this a little more difficult um a six-year-old scottish girl alicia mcphail was abducted from her bed and murdered by 16-year-old Aaron Campbell. The teenager had previously bought uh, marijuana from Alicia's father, and who lived in this house, and Campbell initially went to their house late at night after a party because he wanted to steal their weed. Um, when he entered the house, because apparently he had a key, Uh, He found the child asleep, he picked her up, he carried her to an abandoned hotel where he raped and killed her by applying pressure to her face and neck. Mm. After time had passed and they, you know, found the body, did investigations, he did eventually confess to the crime before his sentencing, adding that he was quite satisfied with the murder which is, like, sociopathic, fucked up shit. What a prick. Yeah. yeah. Um, so some back, some some information, backstory on Campbell. Uh, he uh, was very keen on gaming. He wished to be a YouTube star oh boy. where he posted several videos on the website, um, mostly playing video games. And his channel included clips of the nightmarish game Slenderman, Amongst other psychological horror games like PT, 
and also he one time in, uh, filmed himself exploring a haunted house. Um, so this is where like it ties to Slenderman, right. um, because you know when you look cultural up his influences cultural influences, when you look up yep. his search history, you know he's found to have been looking into Slenderman. Um, yep. Of course, he doesn't say that he did this for Slenderman, but it's you know there. Um, so when he was fifteen. He began to consider doing something excessive, like rape. Uh, he went into a rehabilitation program where he began to start fires for fun. Oh, boy. Um, during a conversation with a friend in 2017, he wrote, Might kill one day just for the lifetime experience. So... He cooperated with questions when he was first brought in, showing no signs of worry or intimidation, which is often, as we know, a sign of someone who's like a sociopath. Um, and on March 21st, 2019, he was handed a life sentence with a minimum term of 27 years, which was reduced to 24 years on an appeal. Uh, September 10th, 2019, which was last month. Yep. Campbell successfully appealed his sentence, reducing the minimum term from 27 years to 24, as I said, which would mean that he'd be eligible to apply for parole when he is 40. Ugh. Um, so the quote that led me here um, was, like, from the article that I was reading, mm-hmm. said, like, February 2019, it emerged that a teenager you know, murdered a six-year-old and was obsessed by Slenderman. The 16-year-old, the the person who wrote the article put in at the end, the 16-year-old was a serial killer in the making who got sick thrills from the meme, a source revealed. So basically they're saying that, like, he was obsessed with Slenderman, he loved the idea of Slenderman, of, of preying on children, and that the way that this 16-year-old acted was he was a serial killer in the makings which kind of makes sense based on just his overall personality and also like when we research serial killers and we research their like behavior i mean all the signs are kind of there yep the trifecta and well i guess our arson is is one that is added to that but yeah yeah Yeah. so so other what, what, what are the three again? It was Bedwetting, head injury, and... Uh, harming animals. Harming animals, thank yeah. you. But you can trade out harming animals with setting fire. With arson, yeah. 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 So, three other known crimes connected to Slenderman, which I also didn't know about, <laughs> um, is an unidentified woman from Cincinnati, Ohio, told WLWT-TV reporter in June 2014... That her 13-year-old daughter had attacked her with a knife and had written macabre fiction, some involving the Slender Man, um, which is who the mother said motivated the attack. Uh, September 4th, 2014, a 14-year-old girl in Port Ritchie, Florida, allegedly set her family's house on fire while her mother and 9-year-old brother were still inside. Police reported that the teenager had been reading online stories about Slender Man as well as the Atsushi Okubo's Manga Soul Eater. Oh, yeah. So, 
And then in 2015, an epidemic of suicide attempts by young people ages 12 to 24 on the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation uh, occurred, and Slenderman was cited as the influence. The tribe's president noti- noted that um, there is many Native American who traditionally believe in a suicide spirit, mm-hmm. and Slenderman, I guess, was the... Could be an embodiment of that. Yeah, like a modern embodiment of, of that suicide spirit. Oh, wow. So those are, like, three other, like, weird, random... Uh, nobody died, but people could have uh, right. Slenderman-connected stories. Um, of course, I got my stuff from uh, the BBC, The Sun, The Guardian, obviously Wikipedia, Thrillist, Creepypasta's Wiki, and um, a site called Know Your Meme. There you go. you know, this is all based on a meme. And that is the story of Slenderman. Ooh, that was a good one! Ooh! <laughs> excellent, excellent. You definitely went way more into depth about video games, and I, I feel like a, I feel like a noob uh, about that. But I'm really happy that you described it, though, because I feel like that that sort of also captures the essence of why this would also be fascinating um, to some people. To Not gamers, only... yeah. Exactly, but also like, yeah. Um, and and I also think that this is one of those. Um, weird instances where none of those had like a stretch to them like any any of the the stories of the actual incidences that were quote unquote inspired um by Slenderman um but there there definitely is a connection to how Slenderman resonates with a certain type of person yeah um it's definitely cuz like it's it's not just like you know most people who like read about Slenderman just get freaked out or scared right like they right. don't they don't it definitely has to resonate with a certain mindset, which I think is why, like, you can't say that this thing existing is what caused these crimes because right. it's what they saw in these stories that then that gave them, them, yeah, inspiration and drive to commit a crime that they probably would have already committed. They were already probably contemplating it, but then this was sort of, I, I don't want to say the word, because it, it, it wasn't a catalyst, but it was, it was almost like, a, like an affirmation yeah. that, um, that they could behave a certain way or they could do something and it could be justified. Yeah, and um, who's to say that they wouldn't have found that affirmation elsewhere? Oh, I'm, I'm sure there's been other um, urban legend and or internet meme and or creepypasta um, in type of inspired behavior um, yeah. when, it, when it comes to that. And and it, it always toes that weird line of like what it, like what is actually a cause and what is you know an unfortunate um correlation when it comes to anything out on the internet i guess yeah, yeah. but i think i mean you said i went in all in on video games but you also went in on like all in on the movie aspect which was well, i think the main even though there are video games tied to blair witch the, and the there is a blair witch were, video game Right, they, the Blair the Witch movie. movies weren't like the weren't the um the really big impact. I feel like Slenderman, at least, um, with the video games, especially with I think would you say two million downloads? Yeah, like like the fact that two million people had the potential to play that, like that's that's huge. And that was in um, like the first day. Yeah, that's. I mean, nuts. think about since then. Yeah, it's been I, mean, I, I played. Years. I played um, uh, Slender. So, yeah. yeah. So, I think yeah, everyone was... typically, like, at least in the gamer world, like, 
everyone when they think of Slenderman, they think of the games. Yeah. Um, and it's been like a pretty common thing for gamers, especially this time of year, to break out Slender, play Slender, you know, bring and the whole a- mythos back up. And it's a quick enough game. Haha, <laughs> I see what you did there. Um, <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, and it's definitely a quick enough game that you could um, you could stream it if you want to. I did not know about the twenty dollar version. By the way, that's freaking hilarious. Oh uh, yeah, the I'm twenty gonna, the twenty dollar. You I'm, have I'm to be need bo- to like see. Yeah. multiple games. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I see. I don't know if I ever played the day or I, maybe I never beat it. Maybe I did play it, but maybe I did never beat it. Hmm. Um, I didn't know that Slender the Arrival was, like, a full-on story. Yeah, that's crazy. Like, a full-on multi-character story. Like, I just always thought it was, like, another Slenderman game. Yeah. Um, so, it's, like, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty wild. But I think, I think, though, like, as much as, like, obviously, you could go into the full, like, lore of the Blair Witch game that's not where that is you know like the the movie is what is what really is it's cool that it's been adapted into a a video game yeah and and I think I think the premise of of how the the games were created where you're kind of this character that gets inserted to these stories and you're investigating it is pretty cool but it's still like you know it's still the same stories that you heard from when you watch the movie oh yeah um yeah so there's really nothing new I guess when when it comes to them, um, so, and I, I still crack up that the Ellie Kedward, uh, character is the is a paradise name of uh of Edward Kelly the occultist, um, <laughs> from from the freaking seventeen hundred. That that still cracks me up. Um, you know the guy that purportedly was an alchemist and did had the philosopher's stone and brought people back from the dead and like did all that crazy shit. So. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty, pr- the, the the directors were really freaking smart in in every way that they executed it, and that that was really the the magic uh, behind the mythos. Ha 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 ha. Yeah, no, no, this is just this is like a crazy rabbit hole, though. I like I thought I knew Slenderman, and then I was like, wait, what? It was so. all there the whole time. It was all there. So yeah, we did it. We did it! Our first episode. Oh my gosh, that was really good. I actually thought about um, uh, something that we could that we could end on that was game related, spoopy related, and would kind of be a fun uh, little closer. Oh hell yeah, let's do it. What was the scariest game that you've ever played? Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, Visage. Or visage, or however yeah. you say it. Skip. Yeah, that game's, that I game's up. I played because I, I can't I can't say that it was PT. I don't I like because I didn't play it. I watched right. someone else play it. Right. So I don't feel like I can say that that's the scariest game that I've get. So I've never I, played the game, so I never played it. I played fifteen minutes of Visage, and I wanted to and did quit (laughs) (laughs) but granted i was streaming it and um we were having incredibly horrible frame rate problems oh okay i was dropping frames no one could see my gameplay 
Like, oh, bummer. you would see one, it was like a picture, and then five minutes later it was a different picture. Like, it was that bad. So I had to stop stream, or, or I had to stop playing that game for the sake of stream. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> it was not a bummer. <laughs> like, I was... <laughs> I was happy to. And the sad thing is, is that my community, if they haven't already, because again, this is Halloween episode. If they haven't already, they might, I, I might, I might be at the goal that makes me have to play that game again. And I'm Ooh. not looking forward to it because I'm scared oh. out of my mind. I'm trying to get. there's more volumes now too. Yes, I know. There's more gameplay. So it's even worse. <laughs> like, You're just going to have to keep going. Exactly. Oh. So, uh, yeah, no, hands down, scariest game. Pee my pants. Go. What about you? Um, the scariest game that I ever played was actually a game that I played many, many years ago. Um, and it's also one that I haven't streamed, obviously, many, many years ago. Um, was a Nanashi no game. Um, no idea what that is. So, it is one of my favorite scary games ever, period, mm. uh, in the world. I love the premise. I love the execution. All of it was amazing. Um, so it's called The Nameless Game. It was only released in Japan. Um, it was released uh, on July 3rd, 2008. Yes, I did pull, the, pull up the Wikipedia to make sure I was accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so what it is, it was on the Nintendo DS. So you could play this game anywhere. I was an idiot, and I borrowed this game, and I played it in my dorm room. Oh no. From my bed. Oh no. I was so terrified after I played the first like act of this game. I did not get up to go pee until it was daylight. Oh my god. I was terrified because it is so 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 good. So, the plot is that there's an urban legend um, about a nameless, cursed role-playing video game from a fictional um, twin-screen TS handheld game system. Haha, <laughs> nudge, nudge, TS, DS. Good job, Nintendo. <laughs> so, um, according to the rumor, anyone who plays the cursed game and does not complete it within seven days will die. Oh, so, they did the whole ring thing. Exactly. And, and, Ooh. and. Ring was based on the Japanese uh, horror movie Juon. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I'm sorry, Juon was Grudge. What one was the Ring? There was another one. I'm sorry, the Grudge was Juon. I corrected myself. Um, but yes. So the yeah that that whole that whole series. So um, you uh, start as somebody who goes to check on one of your friends, uh, and it turns out the friend um, has uh, uh, you you come across their body and they've died from drowning with the game system in their hands in the middle of a room like there's no oh, way for them to no. drown yeah so you're and you're just like what is this and then you take it and then the character that you are is just a complete maroon and says i'm going to play this um and then uh it turns out another person um that you know has actually uh has actually also started playing the game and you start um communicating with them and then uh they actually die on the subway um and so you, you start following the you're the protagonist and as you start navigating through the game it's really cool because it's split between you exploring the real world and then you actually in the nameless game itself oh my god that's um, so meta it's so it, it and it's so 
good and 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 you know there, there's a lot of criticism out there saying that that the ghosts are 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 um you know expected but you know the, the one thing i i want to remind people is that th this is a handheld game um and you just have these things just creeping towards you through the whole fucking thing and it is, I mean, you, you hear them, but you don't necessarily see them, and you could turn the quarter, and it, I mean, it, it's, it's exactly like, um, it sort of feels like Resident Evil and Silent Hill, when you, you kind of have the blind camera that's not really helping you, mm. but the second you get to the area and you find out what the hell is chasing you, you're like, oh my god. Um, so it's absolutely terrifying, um, and, and you, so you, you follow this whole you follow the whole story and you're asking people for help and you're finding out things and then you're piecing together why the game was made and then in and then it just turns into this beautiful story eventually and it's uh, it, honestly um it's very hard to get the game um i actually borrowed it from a friend who was from japan when i was in college um and that that's a whole reason and the only reason i was able to play it um but if you find like the playthrough on youtube one i guarantee you that you're going to have a hard time sleeping cool. um uh, yep, and two, you are also going to experience, in my opinion, one of the most well-crafted horror games that I have ever had the pleasure of experiencing. That's crazy. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would definitely, I oh, it's just so good. Yeah, yeah. No, it's I mean, so Visage intrigues me. The the thing about it is that it super intrigues me because, like, so I've already spoiled like the first gameplay because mm -hmm. I watched so many of my friends play it. Yeah, same. and. <laughs> Um, so I like know the the story, um, and it's so it's so interesting because like it's clearly multiple stories, which is why they're doing it in installments. Um, because every I guess every like section is supposed to be like a different occurrence in the house. Mm -hmm. At least that's the vibe I'm getting. I don't know if that's true because I haven't seen any playthroughs of the second, the newest like addition that they just added to the game. Yeah, neither have um, I. Haven't seen any playthroughs, don't know if that's accurate, but at least the first, like, set that came out, or the first, like, whatever, like, playthrough that came out, because um, it started with, like, the opening scene to that game is, like, crazy. Like, it just, it goes all in, in the, in the first, like, ten seconds, because you are someone who's, like, in this, you, like, wake up in this room, and your family is, like, tied to chairs, and then you shoot all of them, Ugh. and then apparently you shoot yourself, right. and then it cuts, and now you're somebody else, because it's all, like, first person. Now you're somebody else in this crazy, like, a, like house that's, um, you know, disheveled and empty, and, and, you know, all this paranormal stuff keeps happening. Mm -hmm. You need candles. You can't use can't you camera. have to turn on lights eventually the yep. lights don't work anymore and you have a camera and that's i think that's the creepiest thing to me the yeah, creepiest running out of ways that you can that you they run out of ways to light stuff but like yep. the thing that scared me the most about that game was the fucking camera because yes. it's one thing to have a flashlight that maybe flickers or that just only shines in, like, one circled area. Yeah. It's a totally other terrifying experience to have a flash camera and only be able to see when it flashes. Yep. That's terrifying. 
That and is terrifying. Like, like that's like, because you're not, oh, little bit of light, and like, it's fine. You move, like, whatever. It's literally, like, complete pitch black darkness. And then you flash your camera, and for that split second, you can see in front of you, and you don't know what the fuck is going to be there. Nope. So that, to me, just, like, scares me to my core. Um, but the, the why I'm, like, not just dumping it aside and never touching it again is because the stories are so interesting i want to know is the house cursed is there a demon in the house that messes with everyone like what is and what are all the different stories to all yeah the motive what are all the different like are the all the families that living in that house are they all connected or is it just random because they all lived in that house so they're all fallen victim is it the same thing every time because, like, the first story is about a girl who, get, who like, becomes best friends with a demon and yada, yada, yada. And that's, like, that happens. But then, you know, the second story could be about somebody else. Like, we don't know. So it's just, like, I can't put it down. But at the same time, I really, really, really don't want to pick it up. So um, we'll see. Who knows? Maybe I have to play it. I don't, I don't know. Um, future me will, will know. And probably not be happy but it's fine it's for content totally. it's for content yeah it's for ton- content and the spooks and the lulls yeah well yeah oh, that was that was pretty... a great thing to end on yeah i thought so too um i thought that that would be a fun one and also um really good recommendations for anybody who wants to uh see something scary whether it's a playthrough an old vod um or maybe some uh gameplay uh, um, on youtube or, or anything that people could actually experience those games as well yeah and spend your halloween getting spooked get spooked baby but yeah thank you so much for listening to our first episode of our podcast um yeah we really appreciate everybody uh tuning in and uh please uh stay tuned and make sure that you follow uh both of us on the socials in order to find out when another episode's going to drop yes absolutely follow our socials um i believe herlock files also has socials that you can follow um depending on where this ends up because we're so professional and we know exactly where this is being posted (laughs) um either follow subscribe uh thumb up five star all the words you know like support support this um our our podcast will typically have new episodes every month we're doing Mm -hmm. a, a monthly podcast um to discuss all things true crime pop culture and video game related uh some spooky some not but uh we thought this would be a fun way to kick off our first episode and we hope that you have a happy halloween and uh try try not to uh try not to never sleep again um because <laughs> i know i know we will definitely try <laughs> And to sleep. please feel free to, if you need help sleeping, to please go into a sugar coma mm. um, and Halloween have uh, tons of the Halloween candy and as much as you can possibly eat till your stomach bursts. Yep. That's, That's clinical qu- advice. Quality clinical recommendation. Yep. <laughs> well, thank you guys so much. And we, we can't wait to, uh, to talk to you guys again. Um, yes. Have a wonderful... Happy Halloween. Halloween. Happy Halloween. Okay, bye.